1: Well, good Friday afternoon, everyone. Brian Callahan in for Linda this afternoon. Linda having sat in for Patty Daly this morning on Open Line. And as we know, one talk show per day is the limit, should be the limit for any human being, and that is the case. So Linda is toiling away in the newsroom, pumping out the news for today, tomorrow, and well beyond. And uh, let's get right to it. It's a couple of uh, items you'll hear today on News Talk. Linda's working on now, and she's been so grateful to supply um, some couple of great interviews, not the least of which is, I guess, uh, troubling is one word for this, and really just doesn't do it justice. But by now, you've probably heard that it, what a family in Lewisport is going through, a la potential hate. It's one thing to you know verbally be at it, but which is unacceptable on any level. But the thought of it becoming physical and, you know, an assault on your own child at school, it's got to be every parent's worst nightmare or one of them. And uh, certainly it was for the family in this case. So the RCMP have now laid a charge against a student at Lewisport Intermediate in connection with uh, an alleged assault against another student. And the student being the daughter of Lewisport family physician, Dr. Jurgis M. Barak. And he put it all out there on Facebook expressing, you know, pain and distress over... Over uh, over this uh, alleged attack, right now it's a charge um, against his daughter, and says the family is seriously rethinking their future in the town as a result. Um, Doctor um, um came and his family came to Canada from Egypt actually more than a decade ago now. Really practiced in Montreal for years, and then uh, settled in lewisport about two years ago, and he and his wife set up a family practice there and. You know, it's, this is, shouldn't happen against anyone. But, you know, when you think of family doctors and they're making that leap to come and practice to Newfoundland, in rural Newfoundland, and then have to go through something like this, allegedly still. But he says the family is distressed by it, by the bullying that their 14-year-old daughter has endured, a situation, he says, culminated this week in an assault against her. Now, and saying about the incident, uh, you know, he says he felt this was the end of the world for him, to be honest. Well... Uh, Dr. Barrick says he and the family are going to take a few weeks off now to give their daughter some space and it's away from this situation and to contemplate their future in Lewisport. Well, Linda Swain, as I mentioned, hardworking as she is there behind the scenes today, uh, she reached out to the mayor of Lewisport, Krista Freak, uh, to get you know her thoughts on this entire situation.
2: Well, Mayor Christofreak, we've seen now the uh, Facebook post and we've had a chat with, uh, with the doctor and uh, about what's been happening to his, uh, his family, his daughter primarily. Uh, what's the town of Lewisport's response to uh, some of what is uh, going on? I
3: guess from my perspective, I'm just becoming aware of that as of yesterday, in particular when his Facebook post was released. And certainly it is disturbing and disheartening, and uh, we want to be in support of this family as they uh, move through dealing with this issue. And we certainly trust that the necessary authorities will uh, follow through with due process. In addressing this issue we also recognize that this is you know not isolated to one family and that you know there's an impact on the community and we want uh, our residents to be assured that certainly this is not what we are as a community we certainly celebrate inclusion and diversity and recognize as a town that clearly we need to do a little more work uh, to ensure people feel that way
2: so this is a, a doctor and his family have set up a practice in Lewisport and are now seriously contemplating whether or not they feel welcome there anymore. So, I, I mean, what's your message to to he and his wife and, and his family?
3: Certainly, to Dr. Ambrock and his family, uh, we recognize as a community their commitment to the town in providing the health care service. We know, as you know, that uh, recruiting and retention of physicians in this province has been a challenge, and we feel exceptionally lucky that they've committed to staying here. I think that um, certainly the incident that occurred yesterday would cause them to reflect on where they fit in this community. But since that time and in relation to his post there's been an outpouring of support for them, for their daughter, for them as, as medical practitioners and as members of our community. So I'm certain that he and his family will take time to reflect on that. And then uh, obviously they have to come to the conclusion as to what they want to do but certainly as a as a town we are committed to supporting them and all families in our community and uh, we will take the necessary steps steps to, to better uh, ensure people feel included and welcome.
1: That is Krista Freak, the mayor of Lewisport. She's speaking there with Linda Swain, of course. We'll be uh, following this story, of course, and uh, touching base, of course, with uh, Dr. Mbarak to, um, you know, see how things are going. As you said, the mayor they're saying, you know, the, the community has certainly reached out and shown their support for the family and whatever they can do. So hopefully that can be rectified and we can get to the bottom of it and just just give it up like you know uh, I just it just boggles the mind absolutely that people have to express whatever thoughts they have like this and and lash out at other people whether it's kids or whether it's deeper than kids and you know sometimes they say we're the parents we just don't know the entire situation here yet but hopefully this can be rectified and uh, and the Dr. Dr. Marikman's wife and family can go on living a a lovely rural life in Lewisport um, well, look at that. It's almost uh, first break there, Claudette. Let's uh, take that first break uh, here on News Talk. And uh, when we come back, um, we're going to talk all things Remembrance Day with uh, Gary Brown right after this break. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back to the program. Brian Callahan on News Talk today. And tomorrow, as we know, is Remembrance Day. Somber ceremonies, of course, will be held across uh, the country, across the province, and across all the Commonwealth and around the world for uh, the 11th day, the 11th hour of the 11th month, of course. Um, And uh, certainly a little different in in, uh, St. John's tomorrow, as you probably are aware, mostly are aware. That the renovations, the work, the big work ongoing at the National War Memorial continues toward um, installing the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier here in our province for the first time. And uh, Gary Brown is the official spokesperson for the Royal Canadian Legion Command for NL for Newfoundland and Labrador. course historical researcher author on World War One and the many many memorials that exist and um, just to get a a little tee up of uh, what we can expect tomorrow and the changes and a bit of history about the sergeant's uh, memorial which is where the um, tomorrow's remembrance day ceremonies will be held I just spoke with Gary Brown um, a short time ago about tomorrow.
4: Tomorrow will be quite a change. Since 99 years ago, uh, we've always had it uh, at the uh, National Memorial since July 1st, 1924, when the um, National War Memorial was officially unveiled. Uh, And this is the first time that we have to uh, move it to a different location uh, because, uh, as most of your listeners know, that we are preparing our National War Memorial for the 100th anniversary of the official unveiling uh, next July uh, first uh, 2024 and we're going to a stage now the, the contractors uh, with uh, for the government and the legion uh, are doing refurbishment and conservation and getting it uh, all ready for next year which is going to be a, an exceptional uh, uh, commemoration in my mind and plus of course as part of the uh, the 100th anniversary, we're bringing home the remains of a uh, World War I uh, unknown Newfoundland soldier from the uh, battlefields of northern France. So it's going to be, uh, that's what we're, we're preparing for. So we're, we're kind of forced to go uh, uh, do the uh, National War Memorial Ceremony at the uh, Warrant Officers and Sergeant Memorial on the bottom of Garrison Hill in St. John's.
1: You know, I live downtown, Gary, and every time I see uh, any sightline of the work being done at the War Memorial, I get a shiver. I really do. I, I The thought of what's going to transpire there next year uh, with regard to the remains of the unknown soldier being brought back, the solemnness, the significance. Uh, I goosebumps just mentioning it now. I can't imagine what next year will be like. But um this year uh has this ever happened before like have we ever had to move the um remembrance day ceremonies to the sergeant's memorial
4: not in my memory brian but, uh, i think this is the first time uh in the 99 years and it, it wouldn't have happened only for we have no choice where the mm-hmm. memorial is totally uh dug up and it, uh, it's a refurbishment going on but we're not interfering we're not interfering with the uh the uh, architectural or artistic uh, part of the memorial. It's uh, just, you know, around it and getting everything, the new walkways and cement and getting the tomb for the uh, unknown hero that's gonna come home. So Mm. uh, there's a lot of work, so we had no choice the Royal Canadian Legion uh, had to move their ceremony but at the same time Brian uh, the the Warrant Officer's Sergeants Memorial is a beautiful memorial up there on the square at the bottom of Garrison Hill uh, next to the uh,
3: mm-hmm.
4: the uh, beautiful Canadian Peacekeepers uh, m- Memorial up there also so it's uh, it, and it always as you know before the uh, memorial uh, ceremony on the uh, at the uh, National War Memorial, there's always a uh, ceremony that goes on at the Sergeant's Memorial and reach or late And then the uh, the, uh, thing, mm. the uh, parade, parade would move on down to the National War Memorial. So,
1: so everything will be con- uh, capsulized right there at the Sergeant's Memorial.
4: Yes, that'll that'll be basically it, and then the the parade will move down Gower Street, and the uh, the uh, lieutenant governor will take the the salute down there, and then the parade will be broken uh, or dismissed down by the uh, Mary Brown Center uh, downtown. So it is a little bit of a change, but uh, I think it's from a historic point. I think it's nice, and we're lucky to be able to have the Warrant uh, Officers and Sergeants Memorial to do it from. So, but we're staying because that was the Brian. That was the first outdoor. Memorial in uh, St. John's. Uh, oh, back interesting. In 19- yeah, back in 1921 when it, it was unveiled, and it was uh, it was unveiled uh, through the work of the uh, Royal Newfoundland Regiment, warrant and sergeant sergeant's uh, mess fund in World War One. When the war was over, there was monies left, and the the members of the warrants and sergeant's uh, mess wanted to do something specific to remember all people of the regiment from officers. Uh, the uh, NCO is down to the uh, serving ranks. Uh, they wanted to remember the ones who died or lost their lives, uh, either through uh, action or sickness, and that's what they wanted to do. And it's a beautiful granite stone memorial that was t- uh, was uh, chosen over in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, by two members of the regiment, mm-hmm. two officers, went over there and, and brought it back. And it's really unique that uh, what I love to tell people is the, the base of the memorial is Newfoundland granite, uh, from Port Blanchard, that uh, the Reed Railway had brought in a uh, six wow. months. So when people see that, so I, I, I kind of like the idea where we're able to have our National uh, Memorial Day tomorrow, the ceremony. Uh, at that uh, wonderful place that has a tremendous amount of history you
1: know yeah and uh, it's interesting i pass it i walk right along the walkway every day that i go to cover courts downtown and uh, all this week uh, i've noticed city employees and others they're sprucing it up you know working on the the uh, the shrubbery and and just beautifying the whole thing for the event um is was that specific site chosen for any particular reason or like is there a significance to that particular site do you know why that site was chosen for the warrant officers and sergeant's memorial
4: well they, they had they, they were looking for different sites it's, it's similar to the when they were choosing the sites for the national war memorial so they were looking at a, a you know a, a place in St. John's where the public could see it and yet it still wouldn't interfere with traffic and that was 19 and 21 Brian mm-hmm. so uh, a little bit different down there that. now <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Quite a difference. Uh, But still, like I said, where it's in the old center area and a a lot of a lot of the uh, especially in the regiment, the, the first 500 went over there. A lot of the boys were from the St. John's area. So that would be an important place. But it's a memorial for all. Uh, the members of the regiment from every nook and cranny uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador, where these brave uh, uh, soldiers would have, like I said, mm-hmm. given the supreme sacrifice or lost their lives. So it's a, it's a beautiful memorial, and uh, the Royal Canadian Legion, Newfoundland and Labrador Command, us, so proud that we uh, we coordinate and organize both Remembrance Days, uh, November 11th and July 1. So it's an honor for us to do it for, for as a veterans organization. Uh, so I'm looking forward. I hope the weather is going to be uh, nice, but it's not looking too well right now. But uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to stand up and get get through it and for the to the history of these great uh, Newfoundland and Labrador heroes that we commemorate uh, uh, right back from the war of uh, 1812, 1815, right up until today. We have a fantastic military history and proud of it.
1: Yeah, I've always found, Gary, that uh, strangely enough, that when it's a little more miserable, when it's a little, uh, it sort of suits the occasion uh, on Remembrance Day. I've, I've Sunny, beautiful days I've always found kind of awkward. Um and uh, so when it's sideways rain, a bit of fog and harsh, it may be hard for people in the weather. But I mean, when you think about what they went through, I think everybody just grins and bears it. Yeah, good point. You know?
4: and, and, you know, they gave so much. If we can uh, send a little bit of cold and yeah, rain exactly. in, our Newfoundland, in our Newfoundland weather. But just to let you know, uh, uh, also, Brian, believe it or not. On July first, nineteen sixteen. I know the, what
1: you're going to say. The, it was a beautiful day. Wasn't
4: it? It, the, it, was a, it was a beautiful sunny uh, day with the birds chirping uh, yeah. and the sun beating down. So, but the uh, uh, weather weather should not uh, allow us uh, not to commemorate these heroes. And it's so important uh, remembrance to, uh, in my mind, as a historian, to the fabric of our community. Yeah. And this this little place so far out in the North Atlantic, uh, uh, as a sportsman say, we uh, we batted well above our average. Uh, when it came to, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know... In different military organizations, and we were standing up for freedom and the cause of, of, of rights for people. So we got a lot to be proud of. Brian, and t- tomorrow in July first is when we. And, and, and I always ask people if they can't make it there, you know, because it's hard for people to make it, especially that. Sure. But even the younger people, the younger people, if they're outside or in, in their communities, that we ask like maybe that the parents or grandparents will just talk to them and say, "Do you know what this day is? Do you know what it uh, stood for?" Do you know that uh, some, uh, some of the boys who lost their lives uh, were younger than you? I-, I wrote the book Fallen Boy Soldiers, and there was 272 teenagers who lost their Jeez, lives yeah. in World War I. And of them, Brian, 114 have no known graves. So when we bring that, uh, the remains back next year, it could be one of those the, basically young, youngsters as they were. So uh, we, we'd like people to talk about it. You can't go there and, and make them aware of it and just make them feel that uh, there is something special to this day and why we remember. It's not about war because war is horrible and all aspects of it uh, is, but it's about the bravery of those who went and came home.
1: Sure. And just one quick last thing. Logistically, uh, if you were going down tomorrow and wanted to just view the ceremony in your own solemn space, where's a good vantage point? Probably up on Garrison Hill, (laughs) you know, for the best sight lines. But do do you anticipate any logistical issues, given that it's a tighter, confined space?
4: Yeah, well, uh, there's always logistical issues. In my former career as a police officer, I know, but yeah. even the smallest things, there's a logistical problem. But no, a good point, Brian. Uh, and I, I, I did a lot of research on the history of the uh, Sergeant St. Bourne, uh, Memorial. And if you had seen the people who were there in 1921, it was phenomenal. But they used, uh, a lot of them used Garrison Hill. And the rest of the people just tried to squat in as best they could. Uh, but it is. A challenge uh, and parking will be horrendous so uh, i think people can uh, maybe get a bus or or, or, or walk down or, but there is going to be challenges but that shouldn't make a stop no. it's just uh, dress, dress warmly and uh, you know make sure that especially our senior citizens and veterans are uh, that they're well dressed and taken care of and we look after them and and hopefully it, it will be a, a, a tremendous uh, Remembrance Day tomorrow, getting ready for uh, next year, which will be phenomenal. Mm. And I, I say it would uh, get the opportunity to your listeners, uh, and, and again from a historian's point of view, but I, I think uh, that we will be all so proud next year when we have the 100th anniversary and the repatriation of the remains, that there are not a lot of Newfoundlanders calling me and asking me, Gary, when is the best time to come home? What's going to happen? I want to I be there for history because this will be exceptionally historic because I don't think you'll see any more no. uh, patriation of unknown soldiers because all the dominions now, Newfoundland was the last. Uh, we were our own dominion during the First World War and we were the last one to get the unknown, unknown soldiers. All the rest of them, uh, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, they all have their own. So it's going to be a big year. So I, I suggest to people to plan and maybe come home as a holiday and, and, and be part of the, our great history and be with us as Newfoundlanders and Labradorians share their pride.
1: Yeah, it'll be the epitome of once-in-a-lifetime occasion. Uh, Gary Brown, thank you so much uh, for the time and for the history and the information, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.
4: Okay, and I thank POCM for their continuous interest over all the many years. I know the station has been fantastic, and so thank you again for your support. It's important for us to get that word out, and you guys play a major role in that. Thank you very much.
1: That is Gary Brown. Our thanks to Gary, although mutual thanks, I guess. Thanks for the shout out there, Gary. Uh, But uh, in all seriousness, for being available on a bit of short notice today, uh, call me in jig time. And uh, I appreciate all that information for anyone thinking about heading down Remembrance Day and for the context of it as well here in St. John's, but not just here in St. John's, across the province and everywhere else where people are remembering. And as well, we should. And lest we forget, never for guests so uh, thanks again to Gary Brown he's the official spokesperson for the Royal Canadian Legion Command here in the province and yeah fingers crossed on the weather tomorrow hey uh, Claudette um, you know mom always said to me just as long as you dress for it what's the problem (laughs)
2: <laughs> I know. I mean, you still want to be comfortable, but we get, you know, people sacrificed and did a lot worse in worse conditions. Yeah. So, I, I get that, but at the same time, I think our veterans would want us to be comfortable, but uh yeah, if you have the right clothes, you should be able to to be okay.
1: Yep, wrap up uh, ponchos whatever you got. I mean, it is calling just f- so people know. It is calling for some showers and or flurries. Some do yeah. go- oh, I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> the See, F-word? I saw th- I saw <laughs> the F word that the other F um, no, I saw the uh, three degrees, so I said, "Okay, I'm going to err on the side of caution on the, on the side of hope. We're on the upside of zero, right. so let's yeah. just say let's just say showers, and if the flurries come." Well, we'll deal with that when it happens. Anyway, I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain on News Talk today. We're off to the the news with Sarah Strickland. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The cabin party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Brian Callahan back with you on the program on this Friday afternoon and a huge day on the West Coast, arguably the best coast. Uh, Today, with construction being uh, officially completed and on time, the government says, and on budget, the government says, for the new Western Memorial Regional Hospital. And I should say right off the top, shouldn't be lost on anyone that Western Memorial was named. Uh, You know, maybe this is a coincidence or not with Remembrance Day tomorrow, but it's certainly uh, in honor of those who served. And uh, again, like Memorial Stadium, Western Memorial for the same and Memorial University. All these great institutions and and structures were uh, were built with that in mind to honor uh, those who fought and all of our uh, veterans. And uh, so that's a huge day on the West Coast. Long time coming about 15 years ago that the uh, hospital was first announced and there's been delays and disputes and uh, cries over not uh, getting enough local work, but um, no, uh, the numbers prove it out. A lot of uh, the Premier said today, this was built by Newfoundlanders and Labradorians and it will service for many years to come. Um, let's see, 600,000 square feet, 164 beds, and of course it will med- meld or mesh to merge with the new long-term care facility that's there too calling it a, uh, I think the Premier called it a health care campus. Pretty cool term. Uh, Let's hear from the Premier. He was at the announcement today, along with many other people. I don't have all the world in the day to run every speech from that event, but uh, certainly the Premier's comments were worth noting.
5: Just over three years ago, Minister Byrne and I joined many of you here today to announce the completion of the new 145-bed long-term care facility for Cornerbrook. At that point, construction of this new regional hospital was well underway. And here we are today, in a fully completed, modern facility that will be a center of excellence, a beacon of hope, an example for all other healthcare institutions across our province. This is really a truly exciting moment, not just for the people of the West Coast, but for the whole province. This moment is a culmination of many years of hard work across the political spectrum of advocacy, and it is a true honor to be making and marking this significant announcement and moment today. During construction, it is estimated that 1,000 construction jobs were created, 4,000 person years of employment were created, and approximately 460 million in economic activity was generated. I'm very proud and happy, as we all should be, and we should all celebrate this fact loudly, that this building was built for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians by Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Consistently, more than 90% of our workforce, your workforce, Hard-working women and men of Newfoundland and Labrador put their sweat, put their shoulder into it, and created this incredible building that we're standing in today. Some of them were, part, were from other parts of the province who needed places to live, vehicles to drive, <coughs> places to shop, places to stay, creating an overall positive economic and business impact on the Western region. We have moved this project from an idea through now to completion, on time and on budget. So congratulations and thank you to all of you who made this happen. From dream to reality, here we are today. The handover, and I'm still looking forward to the keys themselves. I feel like someone should give me the keys. The handover of the building from Cornerbrook Health Partnership today represents a major milestone in our continued effort to improve healthcare and healthcare services across our entire province. This new state-of-the-art hospital will provide a more modern healthcare environment for patients here in Western Health, and will indeed, again, be an example of what we can achieve in creating a modern healthcare system together for the rest of the province. This seven-storey The 600,000 square foot building has 164 beds and offers the same services currently provided at Western Memorial Regional Hospital. It also offers key and critical, important piece of expanded programming in expanding cancer care and including radiation so that those who suffer with cancer, and there's nobody, in this province who has not been touched by that disease do not have to leave Cornbrook to travel to St. John's or the western region to travel to St. John's. And of course, because of the good planning, because of the good foresight, it's connected to the 145-bed long-term care facility, which was also constructed as a private-public partnership. Together the hospital and long-term care facility combine to form a healthcare campus that is an example again for the rest of the province. Today's handover means that Newfoundland and Labrador Health Services is now in control of the facility, with the continued collaboration of Corner Brook Partnership on Facility Maintenance. The Provincial Health Authority will now begin its process to add in the finishing pieces and to get us to official opening day and welcoming patients, which will be set for next year. Soon you will see new equipment being moved in, and staff will begin training and familiarizing themselves with the new workflow, the new space, and modern equipment. The new hospital represents the positive change that is happening in healthcare in Newfoundland and Labrador. As collectively as a people and a society, we move from a healthcare system that was created in the 1960s to one that we can be proud of, that serves the people in a modern Newfoundland and Labrador. We've already made significant progress on addressing challenges that I'm sure many of you have experienced, either as a provider or as a patient or a family member. And our recruitment and retention strategy is now finally working. Since April, more than 70 new doctors agreed to work in Newfoundland and Labrador. And more than 300 new nurses have been hired since April. Those are doctors and nurses who had opportunities, as you know, in this time in our country, to work anywhere across the nation. And they chose Newfoundland and Labrador. With a new hospital, With new and modern equipment that meets the needs of 21st century patients and 21st century providers, this will be a magnet, an anchor to attract more medical professionals. Coming out of residency, people don't want to work with antiquated equipment or in antiquated facilities. And this is an investment in them, an investment in the region, and an investment in patients for generations to come. In addition to healthy recruitment and retention packages, we've been guided by the recommendations of Health Accord NL, and we are actioning a 10-year plan to improve health care access across our province. Meanwhile, construction continues on a new mental health facility in St. John's to replace the Victorian-era Waterford Hospital to serve all Newfoundland and Labradorians. Our government continues to put in the work, continues to be there for you, continues to build momentum, continues to build a new modern healthcare system to meet the demands of a sustainable modern Newfoundland and Labrador. And today is a good day, a great day, because we have a tactile example to be able to point to to be able to live in, and more importantly, to be able to serve the patients and families who need the care the most here on the Western region front. Thanks very much.
1: That is uh, Premier Andrew Fury there in Corner Brook today at the new and improved uh, Western Memorial Hospital, uh, now in the hands of NL Health Services. The official opening, by the way, will take part next year. They're gonna start moving in the equipment now and. And uh, all the other little intangibles before the grand opening, if you will, uh, which will happen next year. Um, We're going to take another short break here before we uh, get into the home stretch here on uh, Friday before the long weekend, the Remembrance Day long weekend. I'm Brian Callahan on News Talk. We'll be right back. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda
0: Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision
1: makers and listeners like you. News Talk. On your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Um, thanks again, I want to say to Linda Swain for uh, providing a few uh, important interviews today, not the least of which this next one. And some people out around CBN may have had some been feeling or there were some, as they say, tense moments lately. Uh, Certainly with word that Harbour Grace Ocean Enterprises, you know, major employer in the town as we know, had filed for protection from creditors as it undergoes restructuring. But by all accounts, and uh, according to the Mayor, Don Coombs, um, it's business as usual and uh, everyone's pretty optimistic that they can weather this storm. Linda spoke with Mayor Don Coombs just a short time ago.
2: Are you concerned about uh, the future of uh, Harbour Grace Ocean Enterprises and, and what that means for people in the region?
6: I, I guess because of what's happening, I'm concerned, but because of uh, my conversations with the, the partners, Mr. English who called me on Friday morning and Mr. Lennon uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, you know, I am I see it bright, I see it working out. Uh, Mr. English, again, has put his uh, personal money into this to meet uh, payroll and other things, and uh, with the... I think it's Price Waterhouse coming in to to look after things get the restructuring done uh, they were hit with some hard times and the uh the, the fixed pricing and you know things have increased since covid big time and it has affected them but my concern as mayor of the town of harbour grace and a mayor in the region is for the 60 employees that are up there this is a big payroll i think it's in the in the vicinity of five million dollars a year and that goes back into the economy of our region these are skilled laborers that have devoted their a lot of time to Harbor Grace Enterprises. These people were great corporate citizens right up to the end. And uh, hopefully the restructuring works. Uh, and I, I spoke to Mr. English uh, probably twice yesterday or three times, once today already. And uh, you know, I, I think it's a way to get it done. But under the process with the you know the debt load there, it couldn't work out. So hopefully the restructuring does does work and they can bring in some new cash flow and some new partners in with it, and it will continue to grow. Uh, we know how big they are, and, you know, the figures show they had a great percentage increase again last year. But the thing is that this provides a service, not only to Newfoundland and Labrador. I've seen boats up there from uh, in Labrador getting christened and built there. I see boats uh, on the mainland that came here to get boats built. Right now, I think I counted, yesterday 16 to 18 major boats in the harbors, uh, one brand new one being built or rest being refitted and done. So it's a need, it's a loss for the province if it it goes, but I feel positive talking to their partners that this is going to work out and they'll be bigger and stronger at the end of the day.
2: And uh, up until COVID, anyway, uh, had been doing uh, really well, expanding its uh, customer base and and uh, employing more and more Newfoundlanders.
6: Yes, and the thing is too is fixed pricing, and we all understand, and we look at our own lives with different things: groceries, gas, fuels, price of everything. It's gone up, but I guess when you're in the fixed pricing, and you got none of these jobs are easy jobs. your are multi multi-million-dollar jobs to build these boats and refits and everything else. You know. It, it, It just caught up with them. And, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, it's got to be dealt with. Uh, I'm glad that they went in the process that they took now. At least they can get things restructured, figure out where they're at. And, like I said, one of the partners to continue to put money back into the place like he believes in the place, I believe in him. And uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take some hard decisions at the end of the day. But I feel it provides a need in the province of Newfoundland Labrador and certainly for the Trinity Conception area and the town of Harbour Grace As these employees are from everywhere, we're we're six or eight weeks away from that season. These employees have mortgages. They have car payments, I'm assuming. They have different things. And uh, uh, for the leadership of the partners partners to show up and put money into it And this time, uh, you know, I I believe in the company. I believe it'll be restructured. I believe it'll, you know, hopefully they'll get some new partners in also to go with with the present ones and, and, you know, move this on. It's a need in the area and the province.
2: And are people working there now?
6: Yeah. Oh, God. Business as usual. You know, people are uh, the employees are in work uh, every morning. I I go into work about 730 employees are there and business as usual. They've got 16 or 18 boats. It's not like, oh, my God, everything's closed and there's nobody there. No, it's day to day business is being done. And, from what I understand, they met with the employees and the company coming in uh, to help with restructuring met with the employees on Friday, so the employees are well aware of what's happening. There's no hidden thing over oh, closed and we're gone no uh, the place is full.
1: Well, that is certainly good news to hear from uh, Mayor Don Coombs there in Harbour Grace regarding Harbour Grace Ocean Enterprises. Place is full. That's good. So um, hopefully uh, the work can continue uh, unimpeded as as they go, as the lawyers do their work uh, through a restructuring of the company. As he said there, you know, it certainly seems like it's not the business model, it's more the uh, conflict of, um, of fixed prices and interest rates and uh, just one overlapped the other. Next thing you know, revenues became non-revenues or at least a lot less of them. But uh, good news to hear. So hopefully uh, status quo there until there's a good restructuring in place and we'll keep an eye on that for you. Um, almost done for the uh, show and the week here, but I'm going to, um, to la- give the last word today on News Talk to David Brazel. So as you may know, um, uh, Mr. Brazel, David, Dave, um, announced today that his last day as an MHA will be December the 29th of this year. Uh, I don't know what to say. Dave's you know, in this biz, you encounter a lot, uh, all kinds, all characters, especially in politics, but I can't say enough about Dave, David, Mr. Brazzle, sorry. Uh, nothing but open, honest, accessible all times of the day, give you stuff that you need to do just on a short notice to help you through, didn't sometimes, not even partisan, it's just whatever we can do to make the story more accurate. Uh, I can't say enough, and I could go on, but I'm, uh, I'm limited by time here, aren't we Claudette? So uh, you may recall, of course, um, Mr. Brazil suffered a massive heart attack last uh, October. And I sat down with him a short time after that, and he laid it all out, Um, and uh, today decided that his political future, for now anyway, um, because he did sort of leave the door open there, talking about, you know, uh, once he gets through a lot of the rehabilitation that's required to get his heart back to a good state, uh, he may uh, always consider something else, but that's just par for the course. Good politicians, they always leave the door open. Um, Here is David Brazel speaking today with reporters this afternoon about his decision.
0: You know, into my 14 years as an elected official uh, for the great district of Conception Bay, East Belle Island, and serving the people of this province, and 45 years as a card-carrying member of the uh, PC Party Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, you know, that I feel I've done most of the things that I wanted to do, and hopefully, in some small way, uh, improve people's lives and uh, set a direction that would be beneficial to people here. And maybe in some other small way, I mentored some people along uh, the way from a political point of view or from an engagement point of view or from uh, an activity point of view to to do what's good for Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, But at this point, it's the first time in my... 41 years as a civil servant that I'm going to put my health and my family's well-being ahead of serving the people of this province. And I'll be announcing today that as of December 29th, that'll be my last day as an elected official representing uh, the district of Conception Bay, East Belong, and uh, serving the people of this province from a political point of view. But I have no intentions of not serving the people of this province in whatever way, shape, or form I can. Uh, but my first emphasis has got to be on my health. Uh, I still have some uh, health situations that uh, the cardiologists are saying I need to deal with. And to do it, I can't do justice uh, to my district. And to my colleagues in the House of Assembly, and to the caucus and to the PC Party right now. Uh, and part of that is, you know, I have to do cardio rehab seven days a week. Uh, to do that on a set uh, pattern of uh, physical exercise and and engage that uh, wouldn't be fair to me or to the people I'm trying to serve. Uh, so do the right thing for the party, the right thing for my district, and the right thing for the House of Assembly is uh, I'll announce that that the 29th I'll finish. It gives me some time to finish off some of the things uh, within the district that I had set out nearly 14 years ago to do uh, and, uh, you know, to have my opportunity to set the tone for whoever take over after me. Uh, but I want to make it clear, it's also an easy time for me to go. Uh, the party's in a good place. we got a great leader. We came through a great uh, leadership convention, united as a party. Uh, there's a multitude of people here open to want to run in various districts for, for this party. So we're in a good place here to represent the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. And under uh, Tony Wakem's leadership here, form the next government. And get Newfoundland and Labrador back to stability, financial security for people, and access to services, particularly healthcare. And nobody more than me knows uh, what healthcare means to people. So, you know, it's uh, it's an opportune time for me to to do what needs to be done. Uh, if I'm to do anything in rehab, uh, for my heart, it has to be done in the winter months to be able to concentrate on district issues, uh, House of Assembly issues, and caucus issues. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't be justice to anybody. So, uh, you know, it's it's. It's with heartfelt uh, announcement that I do it because I love politics, I love serving the people of the province um, and I'll still do that in some way, shape or form. It'll just be a minor uh, adjustment for me until I'm, I'm healthy. And once I'm healthy, who knows what I might be able to do uh, to better serve people. But I will be still dedicated to uh, the PC party. Uh, my heart is always with the people of Newfoundland and Labrador and my soul is with the PC party and it'll always continue to be that way. So I do thank everybody for their support over the last nearly 14 years uh, as a uh, as a politician, and we've had some great debates on questions and, and issues and that, but uh, I got to note. People reported uh, what I was engaged in and what I did in the House of Assembly and how I represent my people uh, uh, in my district fairly, and I do appreciate that from all sectors of the media. So to everybody, uh, to the people of Newfoundland and Labrador, I'm not gone yet, but a sincere thank you, uh, particularly uh, during my health situation. Uh, the thousands who reached out, I appreciate that, to my constituents who, uh, for the last year, uh, didn't put as much pressure on me to to do things because they knew the situation. So, but again, to my colleagues uh, that I've had in the House of Assembly, the present ones, the past ones I've served with, and I've served with a multitude of great leaders in Newfoundland and Labrador that I can proudly say that uh, are my friends. And have done what's good for the, the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. I do acknowledge uh, my colleagues in the House of Assembly from other parties. All dedicated to doing what's right for the people of this province. So I do appreciate all the support I've gotten. And, uh, you know, who knows where life will take us in the near future. But once I'm uh, at a healthier level where I don't have to worry about things like that and, and my family are stable when it comes around uh, not having to worry about me, uh, then who knows where David Braslow will surface in the, in the near future.
1: That is a pretty emotional, David Brazzle there, uh, making it official. Last day will be December the 29th. Of course, that opens up uh, his seat in Conception Bay, East Belle Island. And um, so that's another story for another day. Uh, will probably trigger a by-election in the not-too-distant future. If there's not an election before that, Premier said there won't be one before Christmas, but he didn't say there wouldn't be one after. And, of course, technically, there has to be one after. Anyway, that's enough of my uh, <laughs> baffled gab for one weekend, for one day, Claudette. Uh, thanks for very much. Caught up behind the glass here. running all the technical issues behind the scenes. I'm Brian Callahan in Fort Linda Swain today. This is News Talk. And, of course, with Monday being a holiday or a day off for remembrance, we'll catch you next week. Take care.